Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? One, two, three, four. This is the Prying Priest Podcast, and I'm Father Yuri Hladio. You're listening to the first half of an unedited interview about the personal stories of amazing people and why they have come to believe what they do. The second half of these interviews are reserved for patrons only. If you like this show, visit my website, pryingpriest.com, for more content and to learn how you can become a patron of the show. Enjoy the first half of this interview. Welcome, Fadi Toma, to the Prying Priest Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Father Ray. I... uh... I, I will admit, I thought it was the Praying Priest podcast, so this is a bit of a, a, bit of a change the, up. The Praying Priest podcast? <laughs> Should have read the email a little bit more. <laughs> Alrighty, Fadi, let's begin. Our Father. Lord <laughs> <laughs> heaven, I know it, I know it. <laughs> this is where I test people on how many prayers yeah, they know off my heart. Great. That's what I'm going to start doing before uh, I give people confession. I'll be like, all right, before we start, please recite your favorite 10 psalms. You you put them on a scale of 1 to 10. (laughs) And then they can't do it, and I'll say, okay, so I know one thing you're going to be asking for forgiveness for for today. You're up. Um, Um, What I usually do, uh, most people that listen to this podcast know me at least a little bit. Or even if they don't know me personally, they know me through all the conversations that I've had on the podcast. So one thing that I think is useful is, could you give a little bit of a rundown on how we got connected? <laughs> Great. I'd love to. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, it goes back to those university days. Uh, I was sitting in my Easy A class of History of Eastern Ortho- History of Eastern Christianity, I should say. Yeah. I was going through the science faculty, wanted a really Easy A Orthodox kid. I thought, yeah, not going to even attend this class, but I'll just, it'll be given to me. Um, and I went in and I was actually very interested in the class, which is funny. And then you were there mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's just say it was a, uh, uh, it was a rough year <laughs> academically. You were in and out. Uh, <laughs> um and it was a very engaging class, uh, lovely. It, uh, yeah, it was, anyway, it was funny and, and good. Um, and then I think we just, we didn't connect for a while. And then we connected through other Orthodox things. Yeah. Um, Father Ted Parasthopoulos had come to the city at the time for the Greek church here. So we saw each other here and there. Um, we knew each other through various things, obviously. And then I think when we really, really connected was when my wife and I, now wife, my girlfriend and I at the time had come to a little tiny church in Winnipeg called uh, St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And we go in and I, we had the only person I had known, at least at St. Nicholas, was Father uh, Greg. And we walked in and I said, that's Yuri. And he's leading the choir. This is like, what? I didn't know. And she's like, how do you know this guy? I'm like, long story. Just sit and watch. Yeah. And uh, the end is history. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's that, that was a that was a fun that was a fun year academically for me. That was the living at living in residence, like sleeping in, not going to class. I was, I was uh, let's just say uh, to put it nicely, I was a bad student. And I think yeah, and you I actually saved a lot of those classes. 
you, you you saved one of my you saved my final paper. I, did. I don't even think I, I was there to get it back. Part, yeah. You gave it to me, and I read it, yeah, and yeah, was yeah. so ashamed of it that I threw it in the garbage <laughs> immediately after I read it. When you gave yeah, it back, I I, um, I missed. I think I missed like a very important unit, and then I had to like talk my way out of it. I'm like, but I'm orthodox. Like, yeah. how important can this unit that I missed be? It turns out it was pretty important, but I, I can't even remember what it was on. It was like Byzantium or like, um, right, right. yeah, Constantine, like yeah. something. And I'm like, well, it's very easy. It's in my blood. It'll, yeah. it'll come in right. the final exam. And then I remember the final exam, I think we had to write a bunch of answers. And I'm like, I actually don't know this. Quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, so, you're an interesting person in that you have heritage from the Middle East. I do, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians in North America don't think of the Middle East as having any Christian presence at yeah. all. I think you generally think like Muslim or Jewish or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, do you want to maybe I, speak a little yeah, bit about I, like your... All that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a great question, and uh, it, it drives me nuts. And it's my uh, my mission in life to remind Christians in the West that I don't want to be too boastful. But like, where did Christianity begin, really? Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's but, true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, and and I so I moved to Canada when I was twelve, and I think uh, one of the biggest things that I realized is how little. Even though, and it's still, I mean, to this day, it still amazes me, and, and uh, you can probably just tell by my voice, people read the Bible, they are preaching the Bible, they're talking about it, they read about these places, but then when you tell them you come from these places, they're like, what? And it's like, well, <laughs> what, like, what did you, where did you think we went for 2,000 years? <laughs> for, for a lot of people who read the Bible, like Bethlehem and, and Damascus and yeah. Antioch, these are all, it, you might as well be saying like Narnia, Miller, <laughs> yeah. right? They're just so distant. Yeah, like, what is this, the Book of Mormon? Did I get taken away and then somewhere else for 2,000 years and then we were brought back? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so it, is, it is kind of, uh, I feel like it's my mission in life to remind people that I do think we were pretty uh, special in that sense. I mean, I grew up in a very Christian household, in an Orthodox household. We... Um, we lived history around us. I mean, you would go visit historical sites that are written in the Bible, and it was just second nature. It was honestly like um, just driving down the street here in Winnipeg for someone, right? And and you knew the importance of it, and you prayed at that church, and it, you knew the importance of it, but you didn't really. Um, mm -hmm. But when I came here, I realized the importance of it. And I went back in 2014, and I'm like, oh, we were like, here and yeah, 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 we were, and I'm like, this is pretty cool. We should have taken more pictures, but um, but at the time, I didn't think we realized it. So, um, my mom's side of the family is Syriac Orthodox, and my dad's side is Antiochian Orthodox. Um, so that's so I have a little bit of both. So, my mom's side of the family actually is closer to the Turkish border. The, Turkish area. My dad's side um, comes from uh, the coast of uh, Syria on the Mediterranean, so they would be they tend to be closer to the Greek um, side of things, and, and uh, church services tend to have more Greek in them, as opposed to the Syriac tradition where uh, they're speaking Aramaic, so it's uh, it's very old school. 
That's so Jesus' language, isn't it? That, that, yeah, if, I mean, that's how we grew up. Uh, those were the arguments at our house. Uh, like, oh, we have to go to the Syriac church today. Oh, but they speak Jesus' language. Uh, but again, things that we knew as kids that I would have never put any, I shouldn't say any weight behind, but it just it doesn't hit you as a, as a kid, I think. It, mm-hmm. um, and even for, for my parents, I would say like, so um, my dad's aunt, for example, lived uh, down the street or very close to a few houses down from where Peter and Paul first uh, preached <laughs> in Antioch. And it's like, yeah. it's just like a, it's, it's like a, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're like two doors down. I'm like, like it's yeah. nothing massive. But then when you come here and you're hearing about it, you're like, oh, you like, you're literally there. Uh, so yeah, I think speaking of, of that, Christians in the Middle East have never left. They've always been there. Um, they moved from being, I, I would say, uh, more prominent to taking more of a backseat to becoming more prominent, depending on where you look in the Middle East. I come from the northern Middle East, so Syria, but Syria, Lebanon, Jordan. Um, there's still a very active Christian community in there. Politics mm-hmm. plays a huge role, uh, and census plays a huge role. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge political person but um census when we're when when we're doing uh census in the middle east uh they tend to give christian numbers uh less because once you hit that 10 percent threshold you have to get more senate seats uh in in government so um you always keep them at a good 9.5 <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I, don't I don't understand this at all so uh maybe you could explain it a bit more but yeah so so when you're when you're counting to to proper representation in a house of commons for example uh and if we were just to look at Syria, for example, if it, you have thresholds of uh, every type of population, uh, minority group. And once a minority group hits a certain threshold, they are entitled to more seats. Um, they're entitled to more representatives. So mm-hmm. traditionally, Christians, even if you go count the Christians in your country, and you're like, oh, they represent 15% of our population. We'll keep them at a 9.5 if the threshold is 10, or we'll keep them at 14.5 if mm-hmm. the threshold is 15 so the numbers that you get through census records can be very skewed. Uh, and oh, that's because you want a, a Muslim majority, obviously, to stay in. Uh, it depends on where you go, obviously. It depends on where you live. But traditionally, that's what's happened to the Middle Easterners uh, there. But this is not something new. I mean, uh, my grandma tells stories of uh, when they lived on, I would say, the, the Turkish side, uh, when they were young in their little villages of missionaries coming through and not knowing that there were Orthodox uh, in the area. Um, and one funny story is a missionary came in and she was handing out these Bibles and, and they had figured out the missionary was from the U.S. And this, we're talking early 1900s. Um, handing out Bibles, handing out Bibles, and, and the men in, in the village and had gotten together and they said, well, why is she giving us all these little tiny Bibles? How about we give her a gift and we're just going to take the gospel that we use for Sunday services and it's gold and we've, you know, done all that. Maybe, we, you know, we should give her that. So things like that, um, where, where you read stories where missionaries have come in and they had no clue and they're like, oh, there's Christians here, but how do we missionize them to, to, uh, to make them a Western version of Christianity. White Christianity. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my upbringing. I came to Canada when I was 12. Um, I, here, I mean, in Canada is where I think I, I um, discovered a lot. I, I, 
and I clung to I, I cling to orthodoxy and, and traditions. I think because I'm here. I think if I was in the Middle East, it would maybe be a little bit less uh, because it's around me and it, I can take it for granted easily. Here, um, you know, I I miss it and I cling to things like, well, no, that's a historical site or. No, this this icon is from 1905. Well, it must be important. We need to put it in a proper place. Um, yeah, and then, so that's that's where it was shaped early on. Mm-hmm. I think there's similar things happened with me when when I left Hamilton. Right, there were two things. So I was 15 years old. My parents, my dad got a job in um, Winnipeg, so we moved. I ended up going yeah i ended up basically holding on to two things that i felt gave me an identity one of those was the hamilton tiger cats and one of those was orthodoxy yeah i mean that that took a long time for the tiger cats to come into play um <laughs> and that's 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 totally true and that that is uh true of a lot of people's experiences um yeah, and I, I would be, I wish I, I mean, you sometimes want to think like, okay, if you didn't move to Winnipeg, would you be such a big Tiger Cats fan? Probably. But you, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, same, yeah. I mean, same for me. And sometimes it is quite frustrating. Um, it, I become very passionate about like um, buildings or, and then only recently that I've had to sit down and think, okay, well, why am I so passionate about um, whether or not uh, we can go visit this site? Like, will will it affect my Christianity at the end of the day? Will it affect my Orthodox upbringing? Probably not. So where does that passion come from and why am I clinging on to, to this thing? And, I, and it doesn't change my view, unfortunately. I would still yeah. cling on. It's like, oh, oh, you tell me that that little plate was used sometime around uh, at the time of the yeah. early church? Yeah, we're, we're saving that in a museum. But it, it, lately, I've had to, I wouldn't say struggle, but just have to sit back and think, okay, why? Why is this important? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and what does it mean in my faith or in my, in my faith journey? So I live in Southern Ontario, which is, is one of the most diverse areas in the world. But I think, what was that? What was that? Well, I meant it was pretty diverse anyway. Um, yeah. You know, just, you know, Mennonites and, you know, whatever, Ukrainians. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So anyways, the point being <laughs> that I think when, uh, when Westerners look at the Middle East, we often don't see the diversity that's there. Yeah. Right. And we don't yeah. see the various types of subgroups that are interacting with each other yeah. on a regular basis. Or, or we might look and go, oh, there's Muslims and Christians in the Middle East and they're always at each other's throats. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about your um, childhood experiences of religion and dealing with people of, yeah. of, of various types of uh, religions in that Middle Eastern context. Yeah, I mean, I went to a school, um, a a Catholic school, a private Catholic school that was close to 85% Muslim. Uh, That was uh, a Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. that was 85% Uh, Muslim. So the Muslim population, so uh, private Christian schools are, um, the education system is just better in a private Christian school versus public schools. Um, They're open to um, all faiths. Um, So, I mean, that that's just how many students have showed up and that's what they were made up of. I mean, we were, our, our school was attached to the church, right? I mean, prayer life and church life, and it was all kind of in one, but 
there were Muslim students in the school. So I grew up with way more Muslim friends and Christian friends. Um, and that was my day to day going to school. Yeah. You walk right past the church and you can go in and we had services on Thursdays and we're going to Christian class, but there's that break. We go to Christian class. They go to Muslim class. Um, and Muslim, it, like a Muslim class Islam being class. taught by like Catholic, <clears throat> Catholic people at the Catholic no, no, school. No, Muslim. It would be a Muslim person. Our okay. teachers, a lot yeah. of them are Muslim. Um, but the principal was a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, like these, this, this, this is the world. <laughs> this, yeah, right. This is a world that, like us, us in the West, we 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 look at this and it just doesn't make any sense to us. No. Right. Or, or, or like this is a world we do not get to see. But, but you do get to see. Um, that would be my argument where you do get to see. If you go to a, Catholic, a private Catholic school here, not all the teachers are Catholic. Uh, they might have had to sign some sort of document. And being Canada, that, that can happen. But not all of them are Catholic. Uh, not all of them believe in Christianity. Not right. So uh, not all the students are Catholic either. I mean, I can name two Catholic uh, schools here in Winnipeg that are very famous that... I would say, I don't know how, what the population of Catholic to non-Catholic is, but um, this does happen. It's just the fact that it's Muslim and Christian and because of what the media tells us, it makes it feel weird or, or people have a certain feeling about it. So that's how you grow up. So our bubble was, my bubble was, I'm, I'm an altar server. I go to church. I'm, uh, at that point, I thought I was going to become a priest. It's great. Life is great. But my day-to-day is with Muslim kids. And it, I wish I can say like, oh yeah, it was really hard and I was on this journey of evangelizing all these Muslim kids that just came to Christianity. But that wasn't our day-to-day. Uh, our day-to-day was, these were our friends and, and our brothers and sisters. And I'm sure we talked about various things. I mean, I was quite young, but you know, that, that was never, we don't see it that way. We're not there as... I mean, we are missionaries in a way, but we're, that's not drilled into you every day. So life was, I would say, very normal. Now, going back, I went back in 2014, and it's because I had lived in the West for 14 years. Going back and realizing that my cousins and my friends um, are going to universities and schools with uh, in a Muslim country. Um, you know, I, I heard stories about, well, what do you do? You, you work on Sundays. So Christians get two hours off to go to church, for example, on Sundays or three hours or whatever it is. And that was just mind blowing to me. It's like, well, how can you, how are you functioning? And they're looking at me like, well, you people were functioning. Like if you were, <laughs> how's this so weird? But to me, and it, and it was really a hard, that, that trip back in 2014 was very hard for me because it was very much like, oh, wow, I'm, I've become really Western and I cannot wrap my head around how there's Muslims and Christians that live together. Uh, and that has changed, obviously, as I've gone back uh, multiple times again. But it, it, um, we, we live normally. The other, the other piece of it is there's a lot of Christian denominations. <laughs> I mean, we had, never mind what, what churches the missionaries would have set up, but we, you have Catholics, you have Syriac Orthodox, you have um, Maronites, you have um, Antiochian Orthodox, you have Orthodox that uh, follow the Church of Jerusalem versus Orthodox that follow the Antiochian Church. So we celebrate different holidays. We, I mean, you have various other denominations, obviously Protestants, so on. And I was exposed, thanks, and this is a huge and huge part to my parents, I was exposed to 
all of them. Um, and I, uh, I enjoyed all of them and I took pieces of all of them that I, that I really enjoy. I mean, at the end of the day, we were Orthodox Christians and that's where we went on Sundays and so on. But, um, I went to activities at Protestant churches. I, uh, we went to activities with our Catholic friends to, to Catholic churches. We went to mass, so on. Um, I was going to a Catholic school. So that, uh, is missing here. Christianity in the West re- is really missing that. And when I came to the West, I became more of a, <laughs> I would say, militant Orthodox, uh, where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to anyone else. I'm, I'm going to the Orthodox Church. There's only one in Winnipeg that's Greek Orthodox. It's the right church, right? And I'm not going anywhere else. Whereas if you would take me out of this context, where well, I'd be like, yeah, well, sure, my friend's Catholic. Yeah, whatever. They have a, they have mass. I'm going to go. I'll pray. I'll. Yeah. So that is a is a missing piece. That continues to be the reality in the Middle East. Christians do work together. Uh, we talk about Christian unity in the West. In the East, that happens. You know why? Because it's Christians and the other. Uh, so if you don't come together as one, well, you're going to be a lone wolf uh, in 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 a sea of of people that uh, you know believe differently or, or are out to get you. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of that happening in Canada simply because I think we are quite a bit of a post-Christian country where people don't really go to church anymore. The the yeah. the, the cultural norm is not going to church. Yeah. I think that that's sort of the cultural norm. It's starting to become this weird niche thing that you go to church, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's almost getting to that hipster level. Like, yeah, yeah I, to- I totally go to a church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, kids rebel against their parents by going to church and like joining yeah. the military. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on- I find it a bit hipster. When I talk about the church that we go to, big shout out to St. Nicholas, Merrill, uh, great little church in Merrill, Manitoba. I'm like, yeah, you know, we have to drive 40 minutes to this little tiny church, very exclusive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't like it, you know. Yeah, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please don't, don't come. Yeah. Uh, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, so, yeah, Christ, uh, Christianity tends to be like not a thing that people participate in, and I'm finding more and more that Christian churches are tr- starting to try and band together. Yeah, b- because there is this. There aren't that many Christians left. What are you going to do? Be like that that one church that has 40 people and just be yeah. like, if that's against the world, or are you going to come together with other, you know, totally. like-minded people, relatively like-minded people? Yeah. Um, so it's fascinating to see how orthodoxy is going to respond to, to this. It, it is. And I would say in the East, and, and this is just from keeping tabs there, people still go to, see, this is the difference. People still go to church. It's still the norm. And it can be a bit cultural, but I look at culturally affiliated churches here in the West, and I'm talking Greeks, Ukrainians, Serbians, so on, Antiochians. Um, that group specifically in the Orthodox Church is dwindling. Our numbers are going down. Uh, we're dying off, unfortunately. But in the East, youth still go to church. Uh, there are still youth groups, and I and I and I wish I wish I was smarter and uh, had the resources to do it and to see why um, the motivation is uh, is not you looking from the outside. If I was, I was if I was to put a Western hat on, I would say the motivation is not there. Like, why would you go? Um, but um, yeah, it's it, that we still cling to faith. We still cling to church. Community still built around churches um, in general. And I, I do want to tell one anecdote or one story while we're here. Um, 
and this is about coming together as churches in Jordan, as I said, and, and we grew up in Jordan, even though we're Syrian, we grew up in Jordan. Uh, there was many churches, many denominations. And so we're all celebrating Pascha, Easter at, at different times. The king of Jordan, um, the, the old king, King Hussein, wanted to uh, give a Paschal greeting and wanted to visit a church, uh, as is normally done. Jordan's a very liberal country. And he showed up at the Orthodox Church and they said, I mean, your majesty, this is great, but we're in the midst of Lent. He's <laughs> like, but the calendar, my people. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're talking about Catholics. And so he came on the wrong Easter. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it's like dressing up in a costume on the day before Halloween. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you imagine the embarrassment? So he goes, well, how is this? Like, you're all Christians. Like, can't you just figure it out? So he was a catalyst in creating a movement among the Christian churches of saying, when are we going to celebrate these holidays in this country? Forget about Christianity all over the world. Let's look at Christianity here. And so they sat together and decided on Christmas is to be celebrated with the Catholics, uh, December 25th. And Easter will always be celebrated with the Orthodox. So Jordan is um, one of those countries where you can go to a Catholic church on Orthodox Pascha and they'll be celebrating Pascha because that's the date that was kind of mandated by the government. It's a weird way, you know, I don't separation of uh, church and state, but it's a weird way of the of, uh, of the king saying, I just want to show up once. Like you got one chance. Yeah. I'm coming around. I don't care if you're eating vegan or not. You're going to be celebrating the, the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm not going to be embarrassed again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, people can look at it in any way, shape or form, but I would look at it as we have these debates every single year here in the West. And we can't imagine, like, how are we going to figure out the dates and the calendars? And it wasn't that hard when you sat down and, and thought about it. And it didn't compromise theology. It didn't compromise faith. Uh, it, was, it was basically a no-brainer. Like, yeah, the whole, the whole country is going to celebrate together. That seems fun. Why don't we all celebrate Pascha together or Christmas together? Mm-hmm. So what did your personal experience of growing up going to church like what did that consist of where where you said it was part of it was part of the culture so i'm assuming just your family went out of kind of cultural obligation or how how much conviction was there what was your week-to-week experience yeah uh it wasn't a cultural conviction for us. It was very much part of life. Uh, uh, church, uh, God, uh, faith were a part of what, what we were, uh, something that we were very proud of. So we went uh, to church, obviously, every Sunday, but on feast days, uh, on holidays, I mean, we were all there. Um, I, out of my siblings, I would say, uh, I don't want to say the most dedicated, but I wanted to be a priest as a kid. So I was there. I was doing uh, <laughs> vestments were created for me by my mother as a child because that was my playtime. Uh, I would have a full uh, liturgy with communion, uh, which I've heard like, lately in the Orthodox tradition that is happening in some Orthodox homes and parents are freaking out. <laughs> like you, you would you would play church at home the, yeah, wearing people, like priest vestments that your well, mom would yeah, 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 that she had, and, like, she had put together. And communion and... Everybody wow. had to commune. Um, <laughs> someone had to hold a candle. Someone, and, and so that was... And my household allowed for it. And, and, and it wasn't seen as... I, I've read a few Orthodox blogs lately where some mothers were like, my son wants to do... What do I do? I've taken him to the priest. We need to figure this out. He's not allowed to do this. But 
it cultivated uh, who I was, and, and I and I enjoy liturgy, and I um, because I think I, I and this sounds weird because I played liturgy as a kid. Uh, the liturgical aspect of my church life is very important. It's something that I'm struggling with quite a bit during COVID nineteen. I like being in the physical church building. I like the movements. It's it's like a ballet for me, basically. And as a as an altar server, I know where everybody should be and needs to be at every second of that service. And if they're not, I will usually you'll hear me cough or say something <laughs> under my breath or my wife uh, to her to her enjoyment. I'd be like, "Well, they have to like I, somebody's got to do something." Here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been told many times the walls of the church are not going to fall down just because one kid stepped out of line, right? You can be fine. But um, I enjoy that liturgical aspect. And I think that liturgical aspect played a big part. My dad uh, really liked church music, and that's how he would put us to bed. He would sing uh, church music lullabies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it, it's, it's something that we grew up with. I don't think my experience is much different from uh, many other uh, Christian homes in the Middle East. I think it's something that uh, our community as Christians in the Middle East is something that we built and we lived in and, and church was part and parcel of that. If you're going to go to a New Year's celebration, church would be somehow a part of that. Uh, if you're going to go to a Paschal celebration, church is a part of that. So it, yeah, it, it was just central in, in what we were doing and how, how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you came to, how old are you? You said you were 12 when you came 12, to camp. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess, what was that relative to your religious experiences? What Was yeah. there like a culture shock or was it easy to yeah. plug into another church or what was that all like? Uh, it wasn't easy to plug into to another. It's okay. First of all, we're, we're Antiochian, Orthodox, Arab, Arab speaking. We moved to Winnipeg. Zero Antiochian Orthodox churches at that time, not even a Coptic church. So no Arab speaking churches. Um, and plus, I mean, we're Arabs. I mean, we talk about denominations. We're so like, you know, we're not Coptic. We're, we're Antiochian Orthodox. We can't go to a Coptic church. Right. So, so just, just the, just for our audience that just, let's define those two terms, Antiochian yeah. and Coptic. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, Antiochian Orthodox is, uh, for, for our audience that aren't Orthodox, I, I would say, let's go there. It's like Greek Orthodox, Ukrainian Orthodox, but uh, Antiochian Orthodox, we come from the peninsula of the Middle East. So we're talking Lebanon, Jordan, um, Syria. Uh, there's Antiochian Orthodox, obviously, in, in, in Iraq, in, uh, there's in UAE, and, and so on. We speak Arabic. We have elements of Greek, and we use Greek quite a bit in our churches, but we speak Arabic. We're predominantly Arabic-speaking. So there weren't Arabic-speaking churches and communities. If we had moved to Toronto, my experience would have been completely different, because I would have been able to be taken out of the Middle East and put here and plugged in into uh, a church of my speaking. So had to learn English, so that was the first barrier. But the only church that we had access to here was a Greek Orthodox church. And we immediately, I mean, you, you go on a mission right away, we try to seek out a Greek-speaking church, and that was the church we went to, and that's the church I grew up in here um, in Canada. I would say a few cultural shocks for me, the, uh, the, the, the smaller amounts of youth that were at the Greek church, um, and my church growing up, uh, I, I, I mean, in the Middle East, you have the church was packed with youth, uh, and youth programs here, there wasn't. It was very much an exclusive small group of youth that came to church because church, as we said earlier, isn't cool. And at that time, it was really that, that movement kind of, you're either forced by your parents to come to church or you really want to. And there wasn't that much of the, you really want to, um, 
so that's that's been a big uh, shock to me. The Greek language itself is a bit hard. I mean, I, I can understand a bit of the church Greek. I can understand what's going on a, a little bit more than a bit. I, I immerse myself a little bit in it uh, just because I wanted that experience. For me, the, the Greek or English or Arabic weren't a big deal. I would have liked a bit more English growing up, um, but that wasn't a big deal. I mean, church was church and, and it, I wasn't deterred away from church. Um, the older I got in Canadian society, the more I wanted English orthodoxy, but I wasn't brave enough to seek it out on my own because I always saw English orthodoxy as, well, that's just weird. They have no one to cling to. Like, they're not, <laughs> they're not Greek. They're not Ukrainian. They're not Serbian. What is this? Um, so the, 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 the older I got, there was that part of me of like, oh, that would be cool if it was all done in English. But how would that sound? Oh, no, that's odd. Let's not even go there. Um, I mean, eventually, uh, through meeting my wife and, and my girlfriend at the time, who uh, is Mennonite, um, and start, she started coming with me to the Greek church, very dedicated Bless her. I mean, she, if I was her now, now I'd be like, well, I'm not understanding anything. Eventually, the need for English and orthodoxy became very evident um, because it was, I, I finally understood like this person is sitting here not understanding anything with no liturgical life in the Orthodox Church. This means nothing. And I totally agree. It's not like I'm saying, well, you know, you need to just figure it out. It's, oh, no, I understand. If I was thrown into, like, I've always wanted to go attend Mass at the Vatican. But after 20 minutes of Latin, I'd be like, okay, let's move it on. I want to see the Pope take a few pictures. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds great. Really good. (laughs) Show me the chapels and I'm I'm good to go. Um, So that's where the need for English Orthodoxy came in. Yeah. What were... I'm I'm interested in hearing some. When I was younger, uh, some listeners will know that I, you know, I went to a Catholic elementary school, and I was relatively combative about my orthodoxy. <laughs> Were you ever combative yeah. with with young kids of other faith traditions? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, here, yes. <laughs> um, I didn't have any orthodox kids that went to my school, uh, so I went to public school here in Winnipeg. I'm sure I did. Um, I think I did a handful, but no active uh, Orthodox kids that had an active uh, church life in the Greek church, uh, I should say. Um, So I I wore my Orthodoxy like full on. Um, And while it's normal for my character, I know I still do most of the time. But it, 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 yeah, it wouldn't have happened if, if there were, if there was a, a normal Orthodox group. I don't think it would have happened for me, Father Yuri, even if there was a, if I was in a Catholic school and, and there was that need. Like I, I struggled with a lot that people can call themselves Orthodox or Catholic or so on, but there's no fire or enjoyment to go to church, right? It's, oh, I'm Orthodox. I'm there on holidays, but I'm, uh, so I was, I was pretty much like, oh, I have to take the day off because Bishop Archbishop Soterios um, would be coming to town. Like I, I'm off today, and like I would make a big stink at school, and like you're giving me the day off, and so on. Uh, so little things like that. Uh, but from my experience, it was more to people that either were non-believers, um, and certainly the older I got, and the more, especially when I started dating my wife, it was very much 
butting heads. I mean, she comes from an evangelical background, um, and I was Orthodox. And in the first few years, if you would ask her, she would hear the words, well, that's wrong, uh, over and over and over again. Well, that's flat out wrong. That can't be. So let's like, it's done. Uh, remember Peter and Paul down the street, like, I know this. You, right, you right. don't know. Yeah. Um, the older I got, but now it's, um, uh, now I'm in a more zen place in my competitiveness. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, both of you once messaged me about possible service book for uh, yes. for Krista to follow along. Did you end up getting it? Um, thanks to COVID nineteen, the borders were closed, so we want to order it from the U.S. So we still haven't. Um, but Krista does follow. I mean. Krista does follow along. She's in the choir. She knows the music. And this is where that change comes in. Um, when we changed to an English Orthodox church, Krista was full on um, music and all. And it, it, it irked me a bit in the beginning. It's like, well, what about the Greek music that I really like? Like, <laughs> I can't follow along with this conductor, Yuri, whatever that is. <laughs> like, I, I can, I like, I remember, Father uh, Yuri, you, one service you brought me, like, a music book, and it was really for Krista. I'm looking, I'm like, I can't read music. Like, this is, what is this? Like, I know the service. You don't need to, oh, it's not for me. Um, she's, she's, and she's very musical. And this is where I've learned things, uh, gifts, your gifts in church, right? Uh, I, 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 whatever my gift is, whatever it is, but for Krista, her gift is, and what she's given is, 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 um, music and, and that musical element. Is her draw to church, whereas the liturgical element, the very much by the book liturgical element for me, is what I find peace and, and hope in. For her, it's a musical element that really elevates that Orthodox tradition and, and um, yeah, the, the Orthodox service as a whole. So mm-hmm. she follows along. We're doing everything from home now, um, but uh, we try to follow along. I have started learning piano, learning playing on the piano and trying wow. to learn music. So I've, I've started, she, she's very uh, patient and gracious with me. So I have taken uh, one of the music books uh, that you had a hand in designing from church. And I try to play a few keys on the piano and I'm like, whoa, Orthodox music on the piano, um, which is still very odd to me. But lately it's like, this is super cool. I mean, we, uh, Krista was part of a funeral service that she had to do and they got the music and she was playing it on the piano. And I'm like, well, I've never heard that on the piano before. I didn't think you can do that on the piano, but that's not allowed in church, but you can do that at home <laughs> behind closed doors, but never do that outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was very thankful when Krista came because she could sing soprano well. Right. So like just being able to have another great voice in the choir went a long way. But one of the things you're you're picking up on is that language is not only the words we use, it's the music we hear in church. Yes. Right. Yes. And and I think because St. Nicholas in, in, in Narrow near Winnipeg there, because it is a church that comes from a Slavic background, it has Western tonal structures. Yeah. Whereas Greek churches and Antiochian churches tend to have more Byzantine tonal structures, which are different, right? I I tell people that are like a regular Canadians, I'm like, if you go to a Greek Orthodox church, it sounds like alien music. Like it, it it doesn't hit your ear and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't really get in your heart either. Right. Well, for me, it does. For you, it does because you you grew up in that context. Right. But I, I I can imagine for Krista coming to St. Nicholas and hearing 
kind of regular Western musical structures and like melodies and everything, it would be like, oh, like not only can I understand the words, I understand the singing of the words yes, as well. Yeah. And, and the, the gravity of things that are happening, right? The, the, the beauty of things uh, happening. It's a, it's a point of contention in this household because I, Western music, uh, I'd say next lesson, I'm sure you have some listeners. I love the music. I absolutely love it. It, it is finally, I can feel something and I'm not, I'm not the person that's like, oh, you need to feel services, but I can finally feel that, that the thing that I feel in, in Greek churches. But to my ear, walking into a Greek or Antiochian church, it's still, there's a grandeur to it when that music is done properly. There's a grandeur to it that um, I still have a bit of a hard time picking up on in, in Western uh, Orthodoxy. But now that I can, I know the keys, just a few keys, uh, uh, now that I know it, I can understand it a little bit better and I, and I can enjoy it uh, in, a, in a different way. We're getting close to the end of the public episode. So I want to tease, I want to tease the listeners with what I'm going to be asking you about in the Patreon episode. Um, so, so if you want to hear, uh, so Fadi, I, I know that you are interested in relics and artifacts, right? And, and relics can be a big part of uh, the life of Orthodox Christians. And for, I, frankly, everybody, right? Sports yeah. people have relics, you know? Yeah. This is the jersey that Wayne Gretzky wore on, you know, in game five, right? People, people do this with, with everything, right? Um, we even have our own personal relics. You might even have a little box in your home where you keep all these important things. This is the first <laughs> movie ticket that I went to go see with my girlfriend who became my wife. Anyways, we all have relics, but I know you have a particular love for relics, and I don't know spoilers, but I think that you have a very important relic from, <laughs> yes. from, from church history. A very, yes. very... Ho- hopefully we're not giving it away with how important we're going to make it. very important. I think very, I parties with father Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know it's a very um important relic from christian history yeah relics Maybe play a huge role in, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's just you know le- leave that teaser there yeah. so if you want to hear what famous early christian <laughs> item fadi currently has in his home <laughs> Then you know, head on over to primepriest.com, uh, primepriest.com support, and then become a patron, and you'll not only get the access to Father, uh, Father, wow, Father Whoa. Fadi, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the Holy Spirit just spoke yeah. back. Um, you won't only get access to his extended episode, but all of the previous extended episodes. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I want to finish off the public sure. episode talking uh, more about your relationship with. Uh, Uh, Krista, and particularly, so you went through a transition going to North America and experiencing orthodoxy, but then I know you also made an effort to attend Krista's church or family's church. Right. So, so what was, what was that like and how is it like and what, what jived and what didn't jive? Yeah. So I made an effort because uh, family is very important uh, for a Middle Easterner uh, and, and that equally yoked is very important. Uh, and I was, uh, as the readings in, in an Orthodox marriage service say, and then Christianity, I was supposed to leave my mom and dad and, and whatever, go be with this woman. So I'm going to go and I, and I wanted to see, I honestly went because I wanted to see what was so wrong. Um, and I had experienced all other forms of Christianity, but what was so wrong about this? Why was it wrong? Now, I'll, I'll just 
tell the listeners this. I thought Chris, Krista challenged me on Christianity more than anyone ever had. And my, the, one of the first reasons that, that Krista kind of, uh, whatever, I, I wanted to know this woman more was she challenged me head on. Uh, we were out with a group of coworkers. We used to work together and I, I can't remember the question, but she challenged me head on about Christianity. We're out having a beer with people, um, all non-believers. And then it's Krista and I, and she challenged me as like, as an Orthodox Christian, I can't remember what it is. And I thought nobody's ever challenged me or stood up. And, and put my orthodoxy out there without my consent, kind of. And, and the question that I, I can't remember it now, but it like irked me. And it's like, well, who are you to do this? Um, and uh, I would say the more I got to know Krista, the more um, I could see, well, her upbringing was very similar to mine. Her beliefs are very similar to mine. I would say things like, well, um, you know, Virgin Mary is the mother of God. She's a Theotokos, ever virgin. And Krista would say, yeah, okay, I have no issues with that. I mean, we, we call her different things maybe, but no. And I'm like, no, but you need to have an issue with that because you're, <laughs> your people. And she's like, but I don't. Uh, and so I went, uh, very combative, uh, trying to, trying to see this. This was my first ever experience probably in an evangelical church. Uh, Protestant churches in the Middle East look completely different. Um, that was a whole new world for me. Um, I made a, a bunch of mistakes there. I went in wanting to find the wrong, uh, and you can easily pick out, uh, what's wrong with the other. And as someone who's, as I said earlier, political, you can easily sit with someone who has a different view of politics. And if you want to pick up the wrong, you'll pick it up right away. Um, and I didn't look for the right things the first time. However, about a few sermons in a few weeks, and I, and I was very, you know, I wanted to go every week or every few weeks with them. A few sermons in, someone uh, stood up and gave a sermon, one of the pastors, and he talked about the Virgin Mary. And the, the idea, and, and he talked about the Theotokos in, in the same way that I would describe the Theotokos uh, to, to Christians. And when he started, he's like, we're going to talk about Mary today. I'm like, here we go. Like, I got, I'm got, i ready, man. To her out. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to stand up and I'm marching right up there. Uh, and then when he started talking about it, it just, it was like, oh, okay, well, there's something similar here that I'm, I'm catching on, but I'm not allowing myself to absorb. And the more I have gone, uh, the more respect uh, for her. Up, I, I think the biggest thing was I was um, I was very boastful in my upbringing, and I, you know, it, it was at that moment in my life when I started dating Krista that it was very much like, well, Peter and Paul were down the street, or you know, by the way, um, Jesus probably looked like me because he was born in the same region, right? Things that I wouldn't really talk about earlier on, but. Um, going to our church actually taught me a lot. Um, they, and I, and I still watch them on YouTube. I watch them. I try to every Sunday. Um, even though she doesn't, uh, and a, and a big shout out to her. I mean, her church and her upbringing is very different than the evangelical churches that you, the, the listeners are probably used to. Um, I would say they're very close in a weird way to orthodoxy. A lot of the stuff that they believe in, uh, the, the, the beliefs around baptism and, and communion, especially when she was growing up. Um, and even hymns, uh, you know, they're struggling to, to, change into this new age, uh, techno music, but most of the community very much would say they would just like to go to the, back to the way things were done. Uh, why can't we just have hymns? And, uh, and 
as much as I tried to challenge them and and see, like, we must butt heads on, on certain things. And on certain things, we definitely do, 100%. I wouldn't say we won't. But on things that I thought they would butt heads with me on, they didn't. And it uh, it ruined me in a way uh, because I'm like, well, you're, you're supposed to butt heads with me on, on the ever-virginity of the Theotokos. You're supposed to butt heads with me on these things. And what I've learned in the process is um, we see... We've, we see and we've lived Christianity through a certain lens of where what's around us. And their lens of seeing Christianity um, is through living on the prairies, experiencing people that were around them, experiencing uh, communism. Uh, a lot of uh, the men, I mean, her grandma, for example, uh, would have lived under communist rule and under orthodoxy somewhere in there in, in Russia and, and they knew about Christians but the orthodox to them were just kind of following along or or you know becoming communists or the, the orthodox that they interacted with didn't were not faithful or, or so on they were just going to church because they're going to church it's cultural uh, and so once you start understanding that there's a bit more uh, more understanding there now I wouldn't say uh, you shouldn't I mean, you shouldn't go in and, and try to nitpick everything, but um, I think I was uh, I was humbled, uh, and I am continuously humbled in, in how that church shaped my uh, faith today. You've just finished listening to the first half of this interview. Find out how to access the second half by visiting my website, pryingpriest.com. We'll see you next time. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside?